Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. Walt and I were just talking um, as we were getting ready to record, and just the recognition that uh, a passion of ours is to teach God's Word, to study it and on our own, um, but then this opportunity to come to you and ha- share with you the things that God's teaching us through His Word. And so we pray as we continue through this book of James, it will be an encouragement. And we recognize this is just such a very practical book for believers. He wants us to consider our words and our deeds. If we say we believe in Jesus Christ, do our everyday actions match our words of faith? And that's what God's word helps us do is to understand that. And so as we begin our lesson today, we're in James chapter two, and we'll start with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works. Can that faith save him? My brothers and sisters, James is calling the family to consider the importance of these questions. Remember, 19 times throughout this book, he refers to my brothers and sisters. So it's the way we live out our faith each day that really matters. If I say I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but my actions, my deeds do not demonstrate my obedience to Christ, then what's the value of my faith? And James says, can that faith save him? Is it actually valuable? Is it legitimate? What is the relationship of works, charitable deeds, or generosity to faith. Well, James points out, and we're going to unpack the rest of chapter two today, but he points out that faith and works go hand in hand. My genuine faith will be lived out through deeds. And James is using charitable works or generosity. Remember the end of James chapter one, do we visit the widow and orphans? And James continues in chapter two as he points to the poor, the poor people, person being neglected while you show partiality to the rich. You know, Brenda, we were talking about the book of James, again, is so practical, but it's also one of these books where it feels like James is encouraging us to to hold up a mirror to ourselves, to mm. to not be looking out yeah, and let me teach others they need to do this. That's but a to great say, example. Yeah. So, a mirror. what mm-hmm. about you? What about me? What about Walt in the midst of this? And and even as he talks about this, what about Walt when you when you face trials? How are you going to handle them? How, how are you going to deal with them? How are you going to view them? Uh, what about when you care for the the poor? What are you really really expecting? Do you want to make a show so others can see it, or or is this a heartfelt desire? Well, James continues in verse 15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, be filled, without giving them the things needed for their body, what good is it? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
And even this example that he gives, you know, it's interesting. You can have words, go in peace, be warm, be filled. Those are great words, but those words won't fill an empty belly. Those, for someone who's starving, those words won't help them. Um, they're not going to be okay without bread. And, hmm. and this has a ring of religion. You know, we paste on these religious statements. You can trust God. Well, you can't. And God will provide for you. He will, but he desires to provide for you through others, through others that especially if you're in the household of faith, if you have that strong faith, God will give you everything you need. Well, not always. Sometimes it's the rest of the body of Christ that needs to come alongside. You know, we may believe that God loves the poor, but if our actions don't demonstrate our care and concern, for their daily needs, then then our faith is not alive. It's not active. It's it's acting dead, and dead doesn't mean non-existent, but it's inactive. It's dormant. It's not being lived out alive and active in the life of someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I I think of the word picture of a wagon. So you can have a beautiful red wagon, right? And you've got this four-wheeled vehicle, it's designed to pull, it's used to um, transport children, uh, toys, garden plants, groceries, supplies. But if that wagon is missing the four wheels, it's not a very useful wagon, right? And James tells us if, if you have faith, so verse 18, James says, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. So, I don't know, I just kind of boiled it down. Do you have a wagon without wheels, so faith, apart from works, no works, or do you have a wagon that has wheels that's actually useful, that people see you pulling it around, and children are giggling and laughing as they ride in the wagon? Do you have wheels on your faith? You know, you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Well, you know, the demons know something is true. They shudder at God and who he is. But it doesn't mean they've entered into a right spiritual relationship. That would be faith, right? Mm -hmm. Having faith in God and believing And in Judaism, which, of course, James is coming out of that and speaking to Jewish believers, he's saying it is a fundamental belief for us. We believe God is one. Therefore, our belief, faith in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, should result in good deeds. Do I see people through the eyes of God? Do I have care, compassion, love? kindness that I actually extend to other people. You know, as we continue on, I love verse 20. Do you want to be shown, oh, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? I I love he uses this word useless. It's no, um, it's interesting word. It has no value. Um, it ha- has no um, strength. It it has no importance. And remember earlier in verse seventeen, he said, "So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's not operative. It doesn't make any impact." 
James is speaking these strong words of condemnation for anyone who would claim that they're living a life of faith, but it's devoid of works. It's devoid of good deeds. It's devoid of what Jesus in John 15 calls fruit. Where there in verse 15, chapter 15, verse 8, he says, he says, by this, my father is glorified. This is what glorifies my father, that you bear much fruit. You have works, you have deeds that are righteous, and then you prove to be my disciples. That fruit, those works, those deeds are proof that you're my disciples. You can say you're my disciples, but as you live out that discipleship of faith, as you live that out, there's fruit, there's deeds, there's works. And now James will provide two very familiar examples, stories that these readers would have known very well. And first he goes to Abraham, Father Abraham. And as soon as he uses this, again, the connection to these Jewish people would have been just just profound. And he says, let me remind you of Abraham. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith, his faith, was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. James here is combining these two, and he's using this familiar story. And, and even in the midst of the story, he says, he says that his faith was completed by the works, but he says he believed God, and because he believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness, and then his life was lived out even in his actions. And this is referring back to Genesis 22, and I'm just going to, a couple of the first verses, it says that after these things, God tested Abraham. Do you see that connection back right, to chapter back to, 1? Right, James so, 1. So, so God wants to prove something, Abraham. God, God wants Abraham to pass the test. And he says, take your son your only son Isaac, and offer him as a burnt offering. Now, God never wanted a child sacrifice in that way, but he's saying the most valuable thing that that you have in your life is your son, your only son. And I want to see, is your love for me greater than your love for him? That's a test. And then in verse 12, God says, don't stretch out your hand against the the lad, For now I know that you fear God. I have an intimate knowledge. I know that you fear me and that you love me more than you love even this child of promise. You know, God tested Abraham's faith here in Genesis chapter 22, and Abraham passed the test. And then God commended Abraham. Now I know that you fear God. And then it's interesting, right after that, he repeats the blessing. Abraham, I'm going to bless you through this child. I'm going to bless all the nations. I mean, he just reaffirms, Abraham, now, now I can found a nation on you and on your faith and on your faithful actions. Hebrews 11, verse 17, summarizes it this way. By faith, Abraham when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And I love, even in the midst of that whole story, 
but God provided for Abraham a sacrifice in place. And that whole idea of sacrifice and how important that is to God, it's going to be proven throughout the Old Testament, but Abraham is crucial in the the playing out of this story of, of joining faith and works, your actions, and what you say you believe in your heart. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's neat as we're looking at this, um, I love that you pointed out from Genesis 22, after these things, God tested Abraham. And, and we're seeing this thread weaving through James. Again, we keep repeating this, but what a practical book, right? Okay. God wants us to grow. I mean, every parent, we, we have a child, a child is born. Well, we don't want that baby to stay a baby, right? We want them to grow and mature and go through what it takes to learn to walk and learn learn to talk and learn their ABCs and one, two, threes, right? Right. And, and James is going to go on and he's going to, if, if you want to see, if you have an active faith, how do you handle your tongue? If you want to see if you have an active faith, how do you help the least of these or, or choose not to? Where's your faith then? And, and, and again, <laughs> I feel like a broken record, but that, this is so very practical. Um, we were talking earlier about convicting us. Um, we're reading through this book and we're saying, what, what does it look like for the least of these in our neighborhood? We have a couple of neighbors that um, obviously are not believers. And, and do we just walk by them and just basically say, oh, look at them. They're just terrible people. Look, he's drunk again. Or do we have compassion? Do we begin to pray for them? You had suggested, you know, maybe we, we take them some kind of a, a, a food or dessert and say, hey, you know, we, we just want to be a good neighbor. Start a relationship. What does that look like? And so James, he had, well, mentioned he's going to share here in chapter two as we come to the end of chapter two today. He gave the example of Abraham and his obedience to lay his son Isaac on the altar. And now he's going to use a second story of a very um, questionable woman, right? Rahab. And so in verse 25 and 26, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. You know, Rahab is a woman caught in a sinful lifestyle, and yet she'd heard about the God of Israel. She spotted these two messengers as they came through the gate into Jericho, and she brought them quickly into her home. Her home was actually on the wall of Jericho. And her words that she speaks to them later that day are recorded in Joshua 2.11. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Do you, do you hear that? Those are That's her statement of faith. She believes that their God is the God, the Lord your God. And then she says, give me a sure sign that you'll save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, deliver our lives from death. Rahab has stepped out. She has extended a, as it were, a good deed. She received the messengers into her home. And then if we look over to Hebrews 11, that chapter filled with faith, 
um, those who walked in faith. Hebrews 11.31, we read, By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab and all the people living in Jericho had heard about the battles and victories of the Israelites as they had left Egypt and come north through Moab, Ammon, as they camped on the eastern side of the Jordan River. The scriptures tell us they were terrified knowing that this people who had beat and defeated so many kings and their armies was now directly across the Jericho, uh, the Jordan River across from Jericho. Jericho was actually the next city in their path. She heard about the Lord, the God in heaven above and the earth below, and she had faith. Rahab put her faith into action when she spotted those two men as they came in the gate. You can only imagine, and I've read Francine Rivers and Tessa Afshar. They wrote some beautiful historical fiction about Rahab, beautiful stories. That idea that she was watching and that she actually hid, as she brought them into her home, she hid them, she concealed them. Uh, took them up on her very own rooftop and hid them under the flax. And in fact, when the king's soldiers knocked on her door, they were looking for two men who came in. She lied to the king's soldiers. This woman is actually named in the lineage of our Savior, Jesus Christ, Matthew 1, 5, and Solomon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. Rahab believed in the God of Israel, and she extended a good deed to the two spies, kindness, shelter, and protection. And you know, Brenda, even as you're going through the story of Rahab, and we know this, of of all the people to be included both in the lineage of Jesus Christ, but also that James is pointing to, he's not pointing to a good Jewish woman, he's he's pointing to a pagan woman, but who believed, and then her deeds matched up with what she said she believed. And, and did she do things perfectly? No, she lied. And, and it's, it's not perfect, but it still is an example of someone uniting their life, their faith with their fruit, their, their deeds with what they say they believe. You know, one of the, the Bible teachers that impacted me early in my faith was a guy by the name of J. Vernon McGee, and he was kind of an earthy guy. And um, I loved what he says about this part of James. He says, we're not saved by our deeds, but we are saved for good deeds. These are the twin truths of the Christian life. Paul, his whole emphasis is on the first, that we are saved, not by our deeds, but we are saved by faith through grace. But James, his whole emphasis is on the second truth. And just even as we come to a conclusion, Paul, when he was writing to the Ephesians church, he said it this way, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. And then he continues, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Let's pray together. 
Father God, this um, this topic of how we live out our life, how we live out what we say is our faith in Jesus Christ is so important. It's important for us personally, um, for us to be united, for us to be focused, for us to be wholehearted and devoted to what you teach. Um, our faith in you should impact the way we think, the way we act, um, how we treat others, how we even speak and use our tongue, um, how we help the poor. Um, Lord, all of these things should be united as we walk through this life of faith, but also of fruit, that fruitfulness works that, that display your grace active in our life. And Lord, that's what we pray. We pray as we dig into your word, as we let your word, um, as it were, be a mirror to us and and show us how are we doing? Are, are we doing this in a way that pleases you and honors you and glorifies you and in a way that speaks to a watching world? Are we being salt and light? Are we being different? And I pray that that would be true. Lord, would you strengthen us uh, through the teaching of your word and through the work of the Holy Spirit and would you strengthen us to live out our lives in ways that unite faith and our good works, our deeds done in the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. And until our next time together, may you continue to allow us to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.